It's the Ozone. On Talk Radio 96.7, brought to you by Goin 406, an allied scrap process processors. Here's Coach Joe. You know, not that much surprises me in sports anymore, much less shocks me. But every now and then, you never know. Because, you know, this, at, I'm at the point where I've almost seen everything. And uh, what's one of the things we, we do on this show is we tend to put things that happen now and, and come up with a historical parallel. Of course, not all historical parallels are pleasant ones. And certainly it was surprising for me to find out that a Jim Crow-style discrimination situation was occurring in 2021. It's the last thing you'd expect. And if you did see something like that, the last place you'd expect to see it would be the National Football League. Yet, that's what has developed and, and been revealed over the last couple of weeks. It started with the John Gruden emails, but that was, that was a, a symptom of something bigger. And it soon became apparent that the NFL has been for years now practicing a sort of discrimination in their concussion suit settlements that the money's been set aside for a number of years and they're uh, offered to former players who, because, because of head trauma, have sought compensation from the NFL. The NFL was measuring black players and white players differently in order to pay black players less using a process called race norming. I was shocked when I heard about that. Well, somebody who, the person who made me aware of it is joining us on the show tonight. He's one person who can definitely talk about discrimination because he's lived it. He grew up in segregation, in Jim Crow, and he was one of four black students to integrate his high school. He was one of the first three black persons to play football at the University of Miami, where he was an All-American, became a first-round draft pick in 1973 of the Jets, later played for the Raiders, won a Super Bowl with them, starting in free safety, and he's now Congressman of the 4th District of Utah. Of course, I'm talking about good friend of the show, Burgess Owens. He wasn't able to join us live, but I spoke with him a little bit earlier today. And here's that interview now. Johnny, if you would. Joining us in the Ozone, Congressman Burgess Owens. Welcome back to the Ozone, Congressman Owens. I like the sound of that. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys. It's a lot of fun, for sure. Well, yeah, you're up there in Washington now where the local football team was under investigation by the NFL for the workplace culture of owner Dan Snyder. They ended up fining him $10 million. Uh, but the, the big news that came out of there was some emails that were leaked by the NFL that were written by John Gruden over the last few number of years that he wrote to Bruce Allen, who was working for Washington at the time. Uh, now, now uh, Congressman, you were in the NFL for 10 years. You were an All-American at the University of Miami, a defensive back. You you know how to recognize a play fake and misdirection when you see it. Um, yeah, yeah. And this seemed like the NFL was doing some misdirection with that John Gruden email stuff. Yeah, well, not only that, uh, you know, I, I think most of us, uh, who understand that, uh, you know, we're all human. We're not going to get it right. We always grow, and particularly look back 10, 15 years, we'll, you'll see how many mistakes we've all made. It's interesting how this cancel culture always shows up uh, as if they have uh, the, the arbitrators of, of truth and, and light and perfectness. Uh, and in this case here, uh, we have a coach who's done a great job. Uh, I'll, I'll say this, knowing John, the time I've known, he's the kind of guy that looks at meritocracy. He's old school. He just wants to win. And uh, and you'll find out also when you look in these locker rooms, 
Uh, the guys are, are guys, and they're going to say some things that, that they will never want to be out in public. They're just the way it is. They're young and, and uh, in an environment that, that's very aggressive. Uh, so I, I think at the end of the day, uh, it is amazing. It's sad to see a, a career spoiled this way. But more importantly, uh, I think the NFL has a lot of uh, owning up of their own to do. And I, I'm hoping that's what we get a chance to talk about a little bit in terms of uh, what they have done for years called race norming. So we'll talk about that. But at the end of the day, if you want to look at true racism, um, uh, let's look at let's look at something that's been put in place that has actually impacted black players only uh, for years, and it's done by the NFL and, and, and John Gruden. Well, I certainly want to ask you about that. You wrote an absolutely amazing article that appeared in the Daily Caller, and it's available out there online now. In fact, I found it uh, on your Facebook page, and uh, it's it talks all about uh, that issue. And uh, but before I ask you about that, you know, somebody you're you're very a perfect person to ask about this sort of thing as one and one of the very first uh, uh, black football players at the University of Miami, and you were one of four black students to integrate your high school, and and you played in the NFL back in the seventies, and it, it was what was the culture like in the NFL back then? I've never asked you about this. What kind of you know? I, I was always under the assumption that you know that's uh, that's a perfect place for a black man to succeed on his own merits. Yeah. But there was prejudice in the NFL well, back then, it, wasn't it, there? You know, coach. I tell you what. What this does, it I think it's important for us to realize that our country has been growing up just like we do as from from kids to adults, and uh, our nation has continued to grow. I'm, I'm more proud of our nation today because I've seen how far we've come. And you're right. In the '70s, there's still the twinges of, of Jim Crow. Uh, there was a time in which in our country, believe it or not, that uh, there were certain positions that black players were just not allowed to play because they were, quote, set aside for white leadership positions. This is the way it was as we progressed throughout the 1900s. And at that time, you had positions like quarterback, uh, um, uh, middle linebacker, center, um, uh, and, and free safety that were set aside for white players because the black squad didn't have the intelligence to handle those positions. And believe it or not, it's tough as it is to, to, to believe that happened, that's the way racism works. There's always a, a demeaning of another race, particularly in the intelligence piece. Uh, we had guys coming out of uh, black colleges, remarkable, talented people. What they would do is they'd be switched to receiver or defensive back because those are, quote, the, uh, uh, the skill positions, not the intelligent positions. That's the way our country was. And unfortunately, the NFL was all in. So uh, as we talk about what's happening today, it's interesting because the same woke racist uh, ideology that, was, that I found coming into, into the NFL and then in the 70s and 80s is now the same thing that's happening in, in 2021 by the commissioner that oversees this, uh, this, uh, uh, this league right now. Were you a safety coming out of the University of Miami? Coming out, I was a, I was a cornerback. I was uh, a strong safety. Uh, at that time, the, uh, free sa- I turned into a free safety three years after in, in, in the league, but the, 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 last, uh, uh, the last piece of that Jim Crow era was basically quarterbacks and centers. If you look back, you see uh, that it wasn't until, um, gosh, I think the quarterback from, oh gosh, it's uh, Washington, the, uh, the Redskins, kind of broke the, the mold and became the most valuable player in, in the Super Bowl. And that was a big deal. Because he was a black quarterback. So, yes, I, 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 was, I, was a, I was a free safety. But, but I want to also say this. What I love about the Raiders that I played, none of this was talked about. Race didn't matter. Uh, religion didn't matter. It was just a matter of, can you show up and, and do the very best and give us an opportunity to win the next game so we can become a Super Bowl champions? That's the meritocracy that we've always seen in the past in sports and in, in, uh, in the military. And, unfortunately, this woke culture of Marxism 
is not turning ourselves upside down with those things that used to bring us together because we had respect for each other for, for meritocracy. It's now turned into a color deal uh, or race deal. It's called racism. And we cannot allow this wokeness to happen and, and divide us the way it's been doing. Well, you know, when I was asked you earlier about misdirection, uh, it seemed like the, the John Gruden emails were thrown out there to get people looking at that instead of what you were referring to. And this is what I liked about your article, the bigger issue regarding the NFL's attitude, which back in the 70s uh, was a bygone era of the Jim Crow philosophy that uh, blacks weren't as intelligent and they needed to be put in positions where they didn't have to think as much. And then this is carried on into this uh, way that the uh, players are treated in retirement with the concussion settlement money that is out there and available for players who want to claim uh, uh, that they they should recover as a result of head trauma. Uh, and, and can you can you describe? Well, you referred to it earlier, okay. race norming. Can you give our audience a, a sense of what that is? I'll do that, and I'll, I'm going to say this. I'm going to predict those are hearing this for the first time. Your 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 mouth, your jaw is going to drop. You're going to say, "Wow, this can't be happening." <clears throat> But this is the way it works. Yeah, I didn't think it was true, and then then it is. Yeah, it was amazing. It's it's, it's hard to believe in 2021 that not only is it happening, but they're getting away with it. And this is, is again, an example of the woke culture that's judging everybody else. But those that are their own elk, like like the commissioner that divides us in a big, big way, they are protected. Nothing's talked about this. So for those who listen the first time, uh, race norming is this. Uh, Back, I think, in 2014, uh, there was a suit by the, by the players that pointed out that, uh, that there was injuries, brain injuries that came as a result of playing in the NFL. And the, the NFL knew about this for quite a while. The settlement, over a billion-dollar settlement, was, was put together. And part of the settlement was that the players would come in and get tested. I ended up taking a test, one of these tests. But what, what the NFL decided to do, instead of testing all of us as if we all are the same race, I mean all, all the same human, uh, the human race, they decided to, to break it out into black tests and white tests. Black tests that the black players would take uh, pre-assumed that we were less intelligent. And therefore, for us to, to get the same compensation, we'd have to have more injuries. We'd have to have a higher state of injury than white players. And the only, the only reason they found this out was there's two players that I talked about in my article that actually mistakenly were given the white tests. And they passed, and they were able to get the compensation. Well, the NFL realized that, wait a minute, they can't get out of compensation. They're black people. So just give them the black test, which they did, and they failed. This is what's pure systemic racism at its core. And that's anybody who's hearing this, they should send a chill to their, their, their soul to realize this cannot be happening with a separating black and white players, give them tests. And then, of course, the test given to the black players are always demeaning. It's, in, it's based on the fact that they believe that we're inferior. And it, it actually, Coach, I'll be honest, it, it, it really bothers me that I know that I took this test about two or three years ago, and I probably took the black test. And, and it bothers me that we have in today's world in which we have understood this idea that we all are one, that we all, you know, we, we, we are a society that has blended together every single race, every single uh, culture we can possibly think of better than anybody else. And we have the NFL that is purposely dividing us just like to divide us with the, the national anthems. We now have a black national anthem and a white national anthem. Of course, who is it who's doing this? The same racist commissioner, Codell, that's doing that. Uh, anyway, so I, I, I think it's time for us to have this discussion. I'm hoping that black players across the country, uh, from my era and, and on, beyond, will we'll make sure they're, they're being aware of this 
and uh, let's do something about it. There's no way they should, they should get away with this uh, uh, this process, and they've, they've, they've damaged a lot of families who've been waiting for some type of re, re, uh, regress, and they have not gotten it. They've gone bankrupt. They're, 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 the dads and the fathers have, have continued to go down this, this trail of, of, of injury and not being able to produce, and no one's given them the right uh, medical treatment because they were not told that they needed medical treatment. So I think we have a lot to discuss, and I'm looking forward to the woke NFL uh, being brought to, brought to account on this. The uh, two players in question, Kevin Henry and uh, former University of Miami running back Najee Davenport, had brought suit after apparently they were uh, granted monetary compensation after taking the test, but then the NFL insisted that they uh, take the adjusted test that takes into account race, and after that, uh, they were denied money, and that's why they brought the suit. The NFL has acknowledged that there have been two different tests. However, um, they've they've gone mum on it, other than to say, we're going to stop doing that. Uh, you yeah. mentioned Roger Goodell, but uh, really, Roger Goodell isn't a, 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 lone, a lone figure out there. He's uh, uh, he works for the owners. Uh, isn't there yeah. a- any uh, momentum among the owners to make uh, to, to to address uh, basically well, inconsistencies and and uh, in uh, things like that? You just mentioned something. They went mum. I understand this is the way the left works. Uh, this is true systemic racism, and it's no it's no question about it. It came out about maybe two or three months ago with Fox. Uh, the the lawyer for the players came on and apologized and said he would get it right. And that was the end of it. Nobody else said anything about it. So it's now time for us, those of us who are now aware of it, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach out as much as I can to players across this country so they can see what's happened, not only to the NFL. And when, and when I say the, 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 the Roger Goodell, there's a committee. Is that committee that he's, uh, that he's surrounded by that's doing this. I would say there's probably good owners out there, when I say good owners, who are probably not aware of it. or uh, uh, I would say probably not aware of it because there's this group – uh, of, of this board that actually drives and runs the NFL. Godell just has to be, uh, be overseeing it. So I think right now the key is, is to have this conversation. I look forward to, and again, I'm, I'm now serving in Congress. My major goal is that the next time that we get in office, that we get in power, that we bring the NFL in front of, in front of a, a committee to explain themselves. What are they doing to, to, to pull this type of racism off and try to get away with it? And there's a lot of other questions I like to ask, but this is a big one right now. And I think it's time for the whole this this uh, this these groups of leaders that in the past have always brought it together. Keep in mind, NFL, sports, and military has always been that one place that we can come together as a people, forget our politics, pledge our flag, look for our team, and say we're one. They have done everything they can to make sure they're dividing us, and uh, they've done a great job of doing just that uh, to. To, to make sure that we have so many people doubting our country, our flag, and whether they should be proud Americans. And as part of Godel's, uh, uh, is, is, is part of the responsible for that, for that process. Uh, Congressman, there's been some calls for the Justice Department to investigate, and also some congresspersons, both parties, have, have indicated they want to see more information from the NFL about this issue <laughs> and the Washington f- football issue regarding workplace uh, culture. Uh, is is there any plan in Congress to, to do something now about this, to investigate in any manner? It takes, it takes a, a party that cares. Uh, right now, the, the Democratic Party does not care about this issue. Um, uh, it is true, again, racism. I don't think anybody can doubt that. But it's also, uh, Rodell is the left. He's on the left. Uh, he, his, uh, his policies, the way he's driven the NFL, 
is uh, to ben- has benefited the, the the Democratic Party. So I don't think anything's going to happen and bring this to to light until we uh, until uh, 2022 in terms of the Congress itself. Uh, I think there are there are players right now that are becoming aware of it. And thank goodness for many of these players' wives, they got together and pulled together um, uh, I think 50,000 signatures, uh, bring it to uh, bring it to to light that they need to have a new uh, a new council, e council. Uh, uh, the, the, the lead counsel for right now for the players understood and knew about this but never brought it up. So the NFL knew about it. They, the, 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 lead, the lead counsel for the players knew about it, and they, they didn't say a thing for two years later until the players finally uh, filed suit. And that's, that's when we're now, they're now addressing it. Of course, as you see, no one's really talking about it yet. So that's going to change. Uh, truth always comes out, and I look forward to being uh, part of that, the, the one of those voices that, that makes sure that uh, these guys are held accountable. Well, Congressman, I, I was genuinely shocked uh, when I read about what was going on uh, with these tests and that they were they were statistically being um, uh, altered based on race or there was race norming going on. As uh, I asked around and there was really no scientific basis for it, it seems that old <laughs> historical biases and prejudices were, were being used uh, to benefit the NFL at the expense of of all those players we rooted for all those years. And it means a lot here in the Ozone uh, because so many former players are such good friends of the show. And, and it, talking to it has been a pleasure. And we just genuinely enjoy talking to you, Congressman, and we look forward to let's, doing let's, it again. Let's, let's continue to do this, Coach. And I'll tell you, at the end of the day, 70% of uh, the NFL now black players, those are the ones getting impacted most because they're not paid their due. The NFL keeps more money. It is amazing to think that this is happening in, in 2021. But we're going to... We have the country. We see we see what's right and what's wrong. We always drift toward the light, and these guys will be held accountable at some point. So I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Everyone who takes a look at that, that, that article, please, and spread the word. We need to make sure that from the grassroots level, we cannot let racism thrive by letting these folks who, who believe in it uh, uh, keep it hidden. So well, let's hope you guys will, will help us in that regard. Well, well thank, thank you, Congressman. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us, and thank you for bringing this, this issue to light and, uh, and for sharing, and sharing your thoughts with our audience tonight. Uh, we really, really appreciate it, and you take care, and we hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Coach. Let's do it again, my friend. I look forward to it. All the best. Thank you. You too. It's the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7, brought to you by Going 406 and Allied Scrap Processors. Uh, Let's head back into the studio with Coach Joe. Back live here in the Ozone with Coach Joe. And it's a big weekend of college football coming up. Uh, FSU at Clemson here on Talk Radio 96.7, WLKF. Uh, pre-game st- show starts at 1.30, the 3.30 kickoff, also with a 3.30 kickoff and a 12.30 pre-game show over on our sister station, WONN, 12.30 AM, 107.1 FM, the Gators against Georgia from Jacksonville. But their big annual border war and uh, number one ranked Georgia. And speaking of number one ranks, the, probably the number one ranked sports writer in America, at least to me, especially when it comes to college football, is joining us here in the Ozone He's with On3.com, and uh, he's got decades of experience, one of the great minds who covers the game, and he's uh, with us in the Ozone tonight, Mike Huguenin. Hi, Mike. How you been, man? Uh, doing well. I appreciate the uh, kind words uh, in the intro there. But, yeah, this is a, this is a big weekend. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, the, the best game uh, in the country this week. Huge game in the Big Ten, and it'll be huge for the college football playoff rankings, which come out next Tuesday. 
um, a handful of interesting games in the SEC, uh, a big game in the Pac-12, uh, an important game in the Big 12 with Baylor, Texas, and there's also two gigantic, frankly, group of five games, SMU, Houston, and San Diego State, Fresno State. If it weren't for Cincinnati, uh, all four of those teams would be in the hunt for a New Year's Six game. So this, yeah, this is a this might be the best regular season Saturday of the entire season. Yeah, we're going to be all over it. So I'm glad we have enough time to talk about it because there is a lot to go over. Uh, why don't we start with Michigan and Michigan State? A huge game. Both teams come in undefeated. That hasn't happened uh, between these two teams in a long time. One of them is going to celebrate Halloween undefeated. And one of them isn't. Uh, what's your take on it? Yeah, these are sort of throwback teams in a way because they both want to run the ball. They both play really good defense, both extremely physical. Like to impose, Most teams like to impose their will on the opposing team, but these teams pride themselves in physicality. Harbaugh obviously uh, was on the hot seat, I would, I would, would say, going into the season. Remade his offensive staff, and those moves have paid off. Um, they're, they're the leading rushing team in the Big Ten, one of the top ten in the country. Two really good backs in Blake Corm and Hassan Haskins. They don't throw the ball well, uh, but they haven't had to. They're 7-0, and ranked sixth in the country. Um, with uh, football, frankly, that would make Bo Schimbeckler proud. And Harbaugh was Schimbeckler's quarterback. So I think uh, he likes the fact that they like to run the ball. They can throw when they have to, but this is a team – built on its running game and its defense. And Michigan State's sort of the same way under Mel Tucker. Um, they got Kenneth Walker at running back, the nation's leading rusher. He's a transfer from Wake Forest, um, where he was actually quite successful. He just wanted to play for a higher-profile program. The irony, obviously, is that Wake Forest is ranked 14th this year. So um, he left for a better situation. I think he probably feels he is in a better situation. Michigan State does throw the ball better than Michigan, a heck of a lot better. Michigan's defense is better, though. So this is a, a really intriguing game. It's the first time that Spartan Stadium has had two top ten teams play since 1966, which is, frankly, stunning in a way. And that 1966 game was Michigan State-Notre Dame, which finished in the famous 10-10 tie. Obviously, Saturday's game can't be a tie. But I actually think Michigan State's going to win because I have more faith in their offense, specifically their ability to throw the ball, than I do in Michigan. Yeah, they definitely can't end in a tie. We learned that last week with Illinois and Penn State. Oh, only yeah. nine overtimes uh, because of a, a new overtime rule, which calls for basically a two-point conversion shootout after the third overtime. Uh, what's your opinion on that? Uh, you know, they did it to try to – Cut down the number of plays. The, 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 the LSU-Texas A&M game a couple years ago, both teams ran more than 100 plays. They were, they're worried about injuries and such. But, you know, watching that game last Saturday, it was frankly painful to watch. It was totally inept offensive play in the overtimes. I mean, they went nine overtimes, and there were 38 total points scored. So um, not a lot of good offense. Not a lot of imagination in the two-point play calling. Um, I think the rule, I think the coaches like the rule because it generally if it goes to three overtimes, the game is over quicker, it gets it over with quicker, uh, which is a positive. But, yeah, the last, that game last week, as one of my coworkers wrote, Ivan Mazel, 
sort of set offensive football back a couple decades. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, let's just say, interesting to watch. But uh, since we're on the subject of Penn State, uh, uh, they and Ohio State, of course, are the other two teams that are vying for the Big Ten title. Uh, how do you like Penn State's chances, and uh, can any of these three, Michigan State, Michigan, or Penn State, beat Ohio State for the Big yeah, Ten Yeah, Ohio State's playing extremely high-level offensive football. I mean, they're blowing teams out. I mean, they're blowing their doors in. They're looking tremendous on offense. Defensively, I still think there are some issues because they haven't been playing anybody that has an offense. Um, then here comes Penn State, which is coming off an 18-point game in nine overtimes. And it makes you wonder if Penn State has the firepower to hang with Ohio State. Penn State defense is elite. Um, you know, and a couple weeks ago, I would have said this game is, you know, I think Ohio State wins, but maybe by a touchdown. I think now I'm, I'm more inclined to think Ohio State's going to win by at least two TDs, maybe even three, just because the Penn State offense, it, it, it's really suffering because quarterback Sean Clifford, despite what everybody says, there's no way that kid's 100%. If you watched him last week in the Illinois game, he was not moving well, did not did not look as if he felt comfortable running the ball, didn't even look comfortable setting up in the pocket. Um, they do have a really good wide receiver, Jahan Dotson, who I think can do some damage to the Ohio State secondary because that's the one question I think. You know, playing the Rutgers of the world, those teams ain't throwing on you. Penn State can throw. Uh, but, yeah, I think Ohio State's the class of the Big Ten um, playing as well as anybody in the nation right now, um, certainly better than anybody offensively. Defensively, still got some questions. Well, one team to beat Ohio State this year, happened early in the season, in Columbus was Oregon out of the Pac-12. If, if uh, Oregon subsequently has lost to Stanford in a big upset, I saw that game, it was a, a kind of a crazy finish there. But yeah. uh, if, if Oregon and Ohio State both finish the season without any more losses, who goes to the playoff? Yeah, that's. I was actually on the radio today earlier with, with a guy at SiriusXM, and he was pointing out that it seems a little bit ridiculous that Oregon won, as you pointed out, in Columbus, and yet no one has taken Oregon seriously because of that loss to Stanford. And you're right. Oregon was called for a penalty on the last play of the game. Stanford scored the tying touchdown on an untimed play and then won in overtime. Uh, I think the, one diff- the main difference, you look at Ohio State, they're blowing teams out. You look at Oregon, they're squeaking past teams. Um, they have a dangerous preoccupation almost of playing up or down to their opponent, sort of like Oklahoma. Oklahoma has not been burned by it. Oregon was when they lost to Stanford. But it's going to be interesting Tuesday night when the playoff rankings come out. Um, I don't think there's any doubt but that Ohio State's going to be ahead of Oregon, assuming both win on Saturday. It's going to be interesting to see how, how many spots Ohio State is ahead of Oregon. I think it could be as many as four. And that's, yeah, that is sort of unfair in a way to Oregon, though I will say I think if they played again, Ohio State will win by two touchdowns. Well, we know Alabama controls their own destiny even with one loss. I'm going to list uh, several other one-loss teams. Which of these uh, would you think is most deserving of consideration if they finish uh, without any further losses? Iowa, Ole, uh, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Kentucky, Oklahoma State, Baylor, or Pitt? Well, Pitt lost to Western Michigan. Um, so I, I'm removing Pitt from that conversation, even though I do think they're the best team in the ACC right this second. They, they looked good last week in beating Clemson. Clemson can't play offense. Everybody knows that. Clemson still has an elite defense, and Pitt, frankly, moved the ball at will on them. 
almost 500 yards of offense. Oklahoma State, um, they have Oklahoma left. They have, I, uh, they have Iowa State left. They, I think, control their own destiny as well. If Oklahoma State wins out, I think they're in. Um, Kentucky, Notre Dame, Kentucky, Ole Miss. I, 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 I think Kentucky is going to get a New Year's Six game if they win out. I don't think they have a shot at the playoff unless a bunch of teams lose twice. I think Ole Miss is in the same boat because I think Ole Miss is clearly third in the SEC pecking order, and they still have to play Texas A&M. Um, heck, Ole Miss has Auburn on Saturday at Auburn, and Auburn's a one-point favorite. So I don't think Ole Miss is going to get there either. Again, that's a team, though, that if it wins out, New Year's Six game I think is pretty much a lock. But um, I think Oklahoma State is – and Baylor to that extent as well. Baylor's lost once. They lost to Oklahoma State, but they still got Iowa State and Baylor to go. So, I'm sorry, they already beat Iowa State. They still have Baylor to go. I'm sorry, they still have Oklahoma to go, and they got Texas on Saturday. So I think Baylor – has a legit chance if they win the Big 12, just like Oklahoma State. But I think Ohio State is the one-loss team right now that has the best shot. Um, what do you think of Notre and Dame? Alabama, obviously, because as you point out, if Alabama wins out, that presumably would include beating Georgia in the SEC title game. And if that happens, Alabama's in the playoff. What about Notre Dame, Mike? What do you think of them? I, I, don't, I don't think Notre Dame is – I think that's another team that best they can hope for right now is a New Year's Six game, unless – there's a bunch of two-loss teams. Now, Cincinnati is a, a, a good team, um, extremely well-coached, stars at each level of their defense, uh, a good, really good running back, Jerome Ford, who went to Armwood High and Sefner, went to Alabama first and then transferred. Desmond Ritter is a good quarterback. Um, but I, I still think that Notre Dame's loss is to Cincinnati. I don't think Notre Dame has uh, – you look at Notre Dame's remaining schedule – they don't play anybody that good the rest of the way, and that is going to hurt them. And I think that's another team that the best they can hope for right now is just a New Year's Six game. You mentioned Cincinnati, Mike, uh, currently uh, ranked, I think, about second in the uh, country at the moment and undefeated and in control of their own destinies uh, would be presumed. But they do have to play SMU, who's also undefeated, but ranked 21st. If SMU were to um, beat Cincinnati and then, and then run the table – do they get any consideration? Yeah, I think that, I don't think they no no consideration for the playoff. No, right. and that's unfortunate. And I think the one thing that has been a gigantic help for Cincinnati this year, other than obviously beating Notre Dame, they started the season in the top ten. And though that's not supposed to matter, there is an inherent bias I think built in because this is humans, human nature. Hey, that team is supposed to be good, and they are. Whereas SMU, no one really thought they'd even finish third in the American. Uh, here they are unbeaten, ranked for the first time since before they, went, before they got hit with a death penalty, um, throw that ball all over the place. They have an important game Saturday against Houston. Um, but, no, I think SMU, um, even, if they're, if, even if they went out and go 13-0 by winning the AAC, I think the best they can hope for is a New Year's Six game, too. Sort of unfair, but I think, I think that's – what the what would happen, and that's another team that it'll be if they do beat Houston, it will be very interesting to see next Tuesday where they are in the college football playoff rankings. I don't know what to think about Oklahoma. How are they still undefeated? Yeah, they're 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 living on the edge. I mean, you you know, the first game of the season they beat Tulane by five. Tulane has won one game, and that was against an FCS opponent. Tulane has been blown out. Tulane was by a bunch of teams. They're not very good, 
and that's a team that Oklahoma could have lost to. Oklahoma played abysmal football last week against Kansas. If Kansas isn't the worst Power 5 team, it's the second worst behind Arizona. Um, and that, that was a game for three and a half quarters. Um, again, that's sort of a – Oklahoma's a confounding team in a way because if the opponent's good, they play better. If the opponent's mediocre or poor, they play mediocre or poor football. Um, it, heck, Spencer Rattler, preseason Heisman favorite, benched. Don't think he's going to play another important minute at Oklahoma. Kayla Williams, the freshman quarterback, came in and rescued them against Texas. And, heck, in a way, he rescued them last week on that fourth down play where he wrestled the ball away from his teammate to run for the first down. So, yeah, you, you look at the the individual talent at Oklahoma – and you're like, wow, they should be much better than they are, and yet they're not playing very well. Um, pockets of success on both sides of the ball, but absolutely zero consistency. And that has to be worrisome to Lincoln Riley because they do have some tough games left. They have Oklahoma State. They have Baylor. They have Iowa State. They could lose all three. It's been 41 years, Mike. Is it finally George's <laughs> season? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, you and I were much younger the last time. Yes, we were much younger. Um, much, much younger. Um, I think you were a high school senior the year they won the national title, right? Yes. 1980. Yeah, I was a college freshman. Um, it's, you look at Georgia's defense is the best defense in the country. It might be the best defense I've seen. And I know Alabama had phenomenal defenses through much of Saban's early tenure at, at Alabama. But you talk to NFL folks. You talk to other coaches who have played them, and it's like they're awed by Georgia's defense. Um, they have three NFL defensive linemen, um, basically interchangeable at one spot, nose tackle. Um, Jalen Carter, a kid from Apopka. They have uh, Jordan Davis, six six, about three forty. And you know, one coach told one of the writers I work with, he's six six, three forty, and he glides like a linebacker. Six six three forty, and he glides like a linebacker. And there's also Devontae Wyatt, who has skyrocketed up NFL draft boards. And that's basically just their defensive tackle rotation. Um, they have a stud edge rusher in Adam Anderson, big-time inside linebackers, N'Kobe Dean and Cheney Tindall, really good secondary. But then you come to the offense. Um, and the offense, I think it's a case of my presumption is when Kirby Smart talks to Stetson Bennett before Bennett goes on the field, before every possession, Kirby Smart says, Stetson, don't screw anything up. We're going to be fine. Because if it's a 7-0 game, Georgia's going to win it. If it's a 21-17 game, Georgia's going to win it because their defense is almost soul-crushing to opposing offenses. Um, you know, they, they do play Florida on Saturday. I think Florida can do some things the secondary, because I think the secondary has some weak spots, and I think Mullen, for all his faults, also is an extremely good play caller, an extremely good schemer, extremely good designer of play. So I think Florida's going to score some points. Just they're not going to score in the 30s. Um, I'm not even sure they're going to get to 20. Um, and I don't think Florida's defense can handle Georgia's running game. But um, the Alabama game would be extremely interesting because Alabama has elite talent 
on offense. I think Bryce Young is really good. Brian Robinson's good. The left side of their offensive line is excellent. They got some really good receivers. That will be the best offense Georgia plays this year um, before they get to the playoff. And if they go 12 and 0 and lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game, Georgia's still going to the playoff. But I, I would be extremely interested in seeing Ohio State's offense go against Georgia's defense. Um, that's a long-winded way of me saying I think Georgia's going to be in the playoff. Still not convinced they're going to win it all, though. Well, we'll certainly uh, be watching, and if you want to follow uh, all the college football action, including all the recruiting news as we, as we get closer to the December signing period, on 3.com. Uh, and uh, tell us how the website is uh, going. I know it's, it's fairly Yeah, we new, just uh, unveiled the uh, recruiting, player recruiting database today. Um, I'm a longtime fan of recruiting um, since the early 80s. I actually wrote a story about Sammy Smith's recruitment when I was in college, and that's how long, that's how long ago <laughs> that was. Um, but, no, the, uh, as a recruit fan, it, the, the player database for us is a lot different than anybody else's, and, frankly, I think it's a lot better. Um, and we're still not – we haven't completely rolled out the entire product. So if you're a recruiting fan, check out on3.com, and I think you'll realize, hey, these guys are pretty good. Plus, our lead college football writer is Ivan Mazel, who's been around forever, um, and I mean that in a nice way. He, he's extremely gifted writer, knows all the coaches, um, did a, did a sit-down interview with, with Nick Saban before the season started. Um, he, he's got contacts, and, and he uses them. I work there. Matt Zenitz works there, a guy who's got a lot of inside knowledge. So... Um, if you're a college football fan, um, I know you probably have your favorite team site that you go to, but in terms of, I think, a national perspective and national recruiting information, uh, we're pretty good and we're not done yet. Well, Mike, I hope you can join us again as we get a little bit closer to uh, signing day uh, in a few weeks. Uh, I hope you'll be available because we, we yes, just absolutely... you're right. Signing day, like you said, a few weeks away. Heck, we're already at week nine of the season. And that's both exciting and very depressing. Football season is almost over. <laughs> it does go by too fast. Fast, right? yes. Uh, one last question here. Uh, and, uh, it, it, by the time the season ends, which of these coaches, I'm going to list about six of them, which of these is the most likely to change jobs? Lane Kiffin, Luke Fickle, Mel Tucker, Jimbo Fisher, James Franklin, or Urban Meyer? Franklin. All right. <laughs> I think Franklin... Um, you hear his name for the LSU job. You hear his name for the USC job. And I've seen people say, well, you know, they could go 8-4, and 7-5. and five. That's not going to matter. I think people know what kind of coach he is, what kind of recruiter he is, what kind of public face for a program he is. Um, I think he'd be an incredible fit at USC. Um, there evidently is legitimacy, and there, you know, there's smoke there about him potentially going there, but I think James Franklin. I would be frankly surprised if James Franklin is back at Penn State. Uh, Mike, well, we're going to have you back here soon to talk about recruiting and more about college football because you're just awesome. It's so wonderful to talk to you. I hope, hope everything goes well for you this week and uh, over the next few weeks, and just look forward to talking to you again soon. Really appreciate Excellent. it, Thanks. Mike. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. Thank you, Mike. That's Mike Huguenin, the great Mike Huguenin from On3.com. What an amazing uh, expertise in college football, and we know our, how much our audience loves college football, and we love having him on the show. And we love 
giving away $30 to the Lakeland Ale House, which we're going to do. We've got to take a break first, I guess, though, Johnny, don't we? We've got to pay a couple of bills here and, and uh, thank our good sponsors at Batting 406 and Allied Scrap Processors. So we'll give them a chance to speak for a few minutes, and then we'll be back to close the show with the Ale House Sports Quiz here in the Ozone. Coach Joe here tonight on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. And now back to the Ozone, uh, brought to you by Going 406 and Allied Scrap Processors, right here on Talk Radio 96.7. Once again, uh, Coach Joe. Coach Joe here tonight. Ronnie is off, and so is Eric. And thank you, Johnny, for uh, filling in tonight. You're doing a great job and uh, and we uh, with the tape interview and with getting Mike uh, on the phone and everything. And now we're going to give you a chance to handle some callers, hopefully, by giving away $30 to the Lakeland Ale House at 5650 South Florida Avenue with their 40 strategically located TVs. We just uh, talked with Mike Eugenin about the big college football weekend. I did this last week, and Ronnie and I did this together, Johnny, last Saturday. We went and we uh, sat down at a, at a perfect spot there in the Ale House, and we had six games on right in front of us. We barely had to turn our head at, at all, and we, they just took wonderful care, care of us there. And you, you didn't take me? <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. You can join us. Uh, I, we might do it again this Saturday. We'll uh, we'll have to see because uh, Ronnie will be will be around then, and um, we coach his uh, his grandson's flag football team in the morning, so that gives us the afternoon to catch the games. And if the Gators playing Georgia, you know we're going to be watching somewhere. But uh, maybe you can join us with thirty dollars to the Lakeland Ale House if you know the answer to this sports quiz question. Uh, we thank our guest Burgess Owens, who was on earlier, and he talked about uh, the black quarterback who uh, was the big breakthrough as a Super Bowl MVP. Couldn't recall his name uh, at the time, but it was it's Doug Williams, of course, uh, former Bucks quarterback, quarterback the Redskins did the victory in Super Bowl 22 and was named the MVP. But there's been several other successful black quarterbacks. Uh, it's more you know nowadays it's not that big a deal, but but uh, these were some of the pioneers. They got their Excuse me. They got their teams to the Super Bowl. They didn't necessarily win, but they all. Well, in fact, none of uh, none of the ones I'm going to name here won the Super Bowl. But they all did quarterback their team to the Super Bowl, except for one. I'm going to list four quarterbacks. Three of them made the Super Bowl. One of them did not. The, uh, Steve McNair, Warren Moon, Donovan McNabb, or Colin Kaepernick. Three of the four made it to the Super Bowl for thirty dollars to Lakeland Ale House. Which one of those four did not? Was it Steve McNair, Warren Moon, Donovan McNabb, or Colin Kaepernick? 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Again, thanks uh, to the Ale House for always being so generous about the $30 they offer. And uh, for our lucky winner each week, please give us a call, 682-1430, and take a shot at that sports quiz question. And we also want to thank our other sponsors, our longtime sponsors, Going 406 and... Uh, allied scrap processors and of course our guests tonight burgess owens congressman burgess owens and the great mike huguenin uh, it's been just a wonderful time with the show tonight we hope we can cap it off with a big win for somebody in the sports quiz question once again uh, once again it who of these four quarterbacks did not make it to a super bowl and we have a caller i think we're going to give this away johnny what do you think let's take let's take a shot hello welcome to the ozone Who's on? Who's on with me? And I'm not hearing anything, but we're going to work that out. I can see the lights flashing though, so we know we've got a couple of callers actually. So who's going to be the lucky one, Johnny? While we work that out, uh, don't forget the 
11th annual Salute to Veterans Breakfast uh, held by the Rotary Club. That's going to be at 7 a.m. November 5th. That's November 5th at 7 a.m. at the Heritage Baptist Church at 4202 Pipkin Creek Road in Lakeland, Florida. It's free to all veterans and includes a commemorative coin. Uh, for everybody else, it's only $10, and you get a buffet breakfast, which is uh, catered by Mission Barbecue. It's hosted by the Rotary Club of Lakeland, the Rotary Club, Club of Lakeland Sunrise, the Rotary Club of Lakeland Tigertown, and the Rotary Club of Lakeland South. For additional information, contact Al Dotson by email at amdotson at hotmail.com or by phone at 863-647-3534. So, Johnny, we got somebody? Let's go. Who's going to win this prize tonight? It could be me. Hey, hey, it's Coach Joe. Who am I talking to? You're talking to Don. How you doing, Don? How are you doing, man? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You enjoy the show tonight? Fantastic. The weather's beautiful. You know, that's why I lived in Detroit for 50 years. You don't have to shovel heat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we get, you know, the the, uh, three or so months of really intense heat, July, August, and September, that's the price you pay for all the wonderful weather we get the rest of the year. So uh, we're just heading into the good stuff right now. It's uh, it's, Joe, I'd rather see a girl in a bikini than an Eskimo coat any day. Oh, my goodness, yes. (laughs) No doubt. Well, I'm I'm going to take a slab at a stab at this, and I, I think it's Colin because all the other ones sure sound familiar. Well, they're all familiar names, but Colin Kaepernick actually did play in a Super Bowl okay. uh, for okay. San Francisco 49ers. San it was Francisco. the one with the big that's, with the big blackout uh, in the middle of the game. That's, uh, the one that's, that was that's, in that's what I was afraid of. I thought, <laughs> but the other one sounded too familiar. So Colin was the one that I, I was going to get a stab at. But yeah, I've, I've, I've had so many. Uh, a couple of your uh, your prizes over the years, and I appreciate it. So let somebody else have a chance and let them win it. Sound, I appreciate what you guys do. Oh, Don, we appreciate you, and I'll tell you what, this means you're eligible next week. You <laughs> so, got it, buddy. Talk to, you, talk to you soon. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Thanks. Uh, and so that sports quiz is still available, uh, and we're uh, running just a little bit low on time. In fact, I think uh, we're going to close the show now, uh, but uh, there still might be time for somebody to get in, 682-1430. It's 682-1430. Ronnie and Eric will be back next week, but again, we Thank you, Johnny, for help for helping us out tonight, and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. And we will be back here next week to talk more about the sports world here in the Ozone Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF.